The Gospels present the work of the Holy Spirit in strong experiential imagery. The Spirit is water and wind and fire upon our lives. He brings to us the telling experience of the Lord Jesus' very presence. Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. This radio ministry is sponsored by Church Partnership Evangelism and its local missions fellowship, the Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. If you're looking for a place to give that is taking the gospel in direct and personal evangelism throughout the world, I'd ask you to consider giving to Church Partnership Evangelism. You can learn more about how God is using us by going to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. The Spirit is water and wind and fire to our lives. He cleanses us, invigorates us, warms and impassions us with the presence of Christ. And there is one more image we'll begin to consider today. The Spirit is anointing oil poured out upon our lives. What can this anointing mean? Let me begin by adding another way in which the Holy Spirit is depicted. We spoke of the Holy Spirit as wind, and we spoke of Him as water, and we spoke of Him as fire, but in order to speak about this expression of the Holy Spirit coming upon us, not simply bringing us the experience of Christ's presence, but now bringing us the experience of Christ's power, let me have you consider that the Holy Spirit also is revealed in Scripture as anointing oil. In the Old Testament, Anointing oil was a dramatic expression of the outpouring of God's Spirit upon an individual when they were set apart and empowered or gifted for certain services to the Lord. And so if you study the Old Testament, you'll see or you'll discover that there are three vocations where these vocations were initiated with an outpouring anointing of oil. One of them was the vocation of prophet When a man was to carry out his role as a prophet, speaking for God and giving God's word to individuals and receiving God's message that he was to declare to the people of God, and and that man was authorized now under the work of God to have visions and dreams that God would give him to communicate to the people, and that man was even uniquely given by God power to express God's miraculous power among the community doing works of great power and miracles. That man began his ministry with an, an anointing that was poured upon him and so in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 16, we see, for example, that Elijah is instructed to anoint Elisha to be a prophet in his place. And what you'll see in the life of Elijah and Elisha is this manifestation in this role of the anointing of power of God upon them, the power to speak God's word to people, and by God's grace and by God's power, the, the power to manifest the miraculous hand of God in the presence of the people working miracles as well. The priests of God were also, were also anointed with oil. Begin the role in the ministry among the people of Israel. The priests were anointed. They were set it apart uh, and gifted and instructed in such a way through that anointing oil to be representatives for the people to God and representatives of God to the people in the worship and service that God gave in the temple. In Exodus 40, we read the account of Aaron and his sons who are set apart for this important work, and there are a number of things that are done upon them. They're bathed, and then they have the blood of the sacrifice sprinkled upon them, but then you'll see after they're bathed and the blood of the sacrifice is sprinkled upon them to set them apart, they have oil that's placed upon them and oil that's poured over them, anointing them for the work they're to do. Prophets, priests, the others are kings. When the kings of Israel began their ministry, they had to be empowered by God to rightly govern God's people. 
They needed an anointing that would come upon them for the character and the qualities that were needed in a king. They needed it in order that they might carry forward by God's power the justice and the righteousness and the wisdom that was called upon to lead the people. They weren't to amass power to themselves. They weren't to amass slaves to themselves. They were not to amass wives to themselves. They were to live in the nation as the first among the people in holy obedience to God's laws. And for this, they needed to be anointed. So, for example, when Saul first began his reign as king in Israel, as the first king of Israel, he was anointed by Samuel. When Saul failed to live up to that anointing, it, David was anointed. And you'll read about that in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16. God instructs Samuel, the prophet, to go to the house of Jesse. He's told there that in the house of Jesse, he'll discover the one who's to take the place of Saul as king over Israel. When he arrives there, Jesse brings before Samuel all of his older sons because David is the youngest. And God doesn't confirm to Samuel that that any one of those sons is the one that's to be the one to rule as king over Israel. He asks if there's any others, and it's revealed to them that there's one other child, the youngest, And Samuel sins for him. And so in verses 12 and 13 of 1 Samuel chapter 16, we read this. So he sent and brought him in. Now, speaking of David, he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Not the other brothers, but this one is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, poured it out over his head. In the midst of his brothers... And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. There you see the oil of the Spirit is poured out upon the prophet, is poured out upon the priest, it's poured out upon the king. They cannot properly fulfill their duties without this divine power and outpouring of the Spirit upon their lives. Now it's interesting when we we sing and give praise to the Lord Jesus, we have learned to sing and give praises to the Lord Jesus as the one who epitomizes and fulfills these offices perfectly as the Messiah. We've learned from John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, to sing the words of this other song he wrote. Listen to the words. O Jesus, shepherd, guardian, friend, my prophet, priest, and king, my life, my Lord, my way, my end, accept the praise I bring. Another hymnist, a Baptist hymnist named Samuel Medley wrote this. I know that my Redeemer lives, what comfort this sweet sentence gives. He lives, he lives. Who once was dead, he lives, my ever-living head. He lives, my kind, wise, heavenly friend. He lives and loves me to the end. He lives, and while he lives, I'll sing. He lives, my prophet, priest, and king. We've learned to recognize that the Lord Jesus as Messiah is the one who fulfills the fullness of that reality of prophet and priest and king. And we understand that for the nation of Israel, as they were looking for the coming of the Messiah, they saw something of the Messiah in the roles that were being played before them as the prophet spoke the word of God to them and gave them the commandments of God, as the priest carried out his roles of mediating for God between them and God as the king ruled and gave them the governance of God and Trite was supposed to live out the holy character of God before them and they were looking for the Messiah through these other individuals and these offices and and by the way, do you know what the word Messiah means? It means one who's anointed with oil. One who's anointed with oil. Oil poured out upon him. When the Lord Jesus came and began his earthly ministry, he was baptized by John. And after he came out of the waters, we're told that the Holy Spirit came down upon him like a dove. It was an anointing of the Holy Spirit upon his life. And God the Father spoke out of the heavens, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
Interesting, when a king in Judah was anointed for his kingship, he was at that moment declared to be God's son, God's regent in that place to represent God before the people. And when the Lord Jesus is baptized and the spirit pours out upon him, he's anointed and then the king is declared to be God's son. Now Jesus is baptized by John and God the Father himself speaks out. This is my beloved. This is the one in whom I'm well pleased. Shortly after that, we find the Lord Jesus in Nazareth, his first moment in which we find him publicly addressing people after this anointing. And there in the synagogue in his hometown in Nazareth, he reads to him Isaiah 61. He tells the people that the scripture that he's reading has been fulfilled in himself. And you can find the words in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And take your Bibles there and, and let's read with the Lord Jesus what he read that he declares was fulfilled in their sights through him. He read to them, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovery of the sight of to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. In this passage that we just read here, the Holy Spirit is both anointer and anointing. The Spirit of the Lord is poured out upon me, the Lord Jesus says, because he has anointed me. The Spirit anoints with himself and pours himself out upon the Lord Jesus. He is the one who gives the Lord Jesus authority under that anointing to fulfill to the fullest the roles of prophet and priest and king. The Lord Jesus stands before the people now to speak clearly and plainly the words of God. With power, the Lord Jesus comes before the people to stand between them and God, to represent them to God and and God to them. The Lord Jesus comes before them to emulate the full character of righteousness and justice required in the king. He sets before them the standard uh, conduct of holy surrender to God's purposes and wills perfectly in every way. And in his submission to these things, As Messiah, he gains the right to rule as king over all the earth, and he rules in the hearts of those now who bow before him and yield their lives to him. And what I want you to see here is that Jesus began his ministry under the anointing of the Spirit, and it was after the Spirit anointed him that he powerfully began to carry out public expressions of his messianic mission and fulfill them. It was after the anointing waters of the Jordan River that the Lord Jesus began to teach with tremendous authority. It was after the anointing that he experienced at the Jordan that he began to work great miracles before the people. It's after this that he began to powerfully cast out demons and all of this was done through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus' disciples began to understand this. In fact, when Peter explains the ministry of the Lord Jesus in Acts chapter 10, Peter goes to a Gentile named Cornelius and he begins to explain and tell the story of the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus. Here's how Peter in Acts 10 verse 38 describes the ministry of the Lord Jesus. He says this. He speaks to Cornelius of how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. There's the idea. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit has anointed me for this work and this ministry. And we understand that Jesus Christ is God the Son. We clearly recognize the triune God being before us in the presence of the Lord Jesus. And yet we also understand that when the Lord Jesus came to earth, he came as a man and he set aside his prerogative to operate independently 
carrying out his divine power. Instead, he chose as a man to work through the power that was given to him by the Father through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit anointed him. The Holy Spirit empowered him. The Holy Spirit enabled him to carry out all his deeds and his miracles and to render all of his authoritative teaching and to cast out demons. Go to Acts chapter 1. Let me read to you verses 1 and 2. Here, Luke is writing to a man named Theophilus and explaining to him what he is He's beginning the book of Acts and for a moment he reviews everything that he's shared with this same individual in the book of Luke, in the gospel of Luke. And he writes this. The former account I made, O Theophilus, speaking of what we call the gospel of Luke, I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. I love the phrase there, all that Jesus began, because he hasn't stopped doing and teaching. He's still doing it right now. All that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day that he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commands to the apostles whom he chose. So That's a phrase I want you to look at. After he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commands to the apostles whom he chose. What you see there is that, that Luke is saying that the teaching and the instruction that the Lord Jesus had given to his disciples all along the way, all the way to the moment of his ascension, was carried out with authority by means of the power that had been given to him by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the one that was conducting this ministry, even this disciple-making ministry through him. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership evangelism and the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.